and his name is Jesus. Amen? Amen. Good morning, everybody. We are so glad that you are here, whether you're worshiping with us online right now or here in the room. Uh, an early Merry Christmas to all of you. It's certainly looking like it uh, in here. My name is John. I'm one of the pastors here, and I am just honored to be able to share God's word with you today. It is so good to have you here, and we want you to know whether you're in the room or wherever you may be today, from the multiple uh, uh, counties, cities, states that are worshiping with us each week, we are so glad that you are here, and we have been praying for you. We believe it is no accident that God has led every single one of you here today. We're going to get right after today and jump into God's Word. You guys good with that? You ready to go? Let's jump into God's Word. If you have your Bible or your Bible app, we we turn to Luke chapter 2 is where we're going to be today. We're going to look at some verses that are uh, up here on the screen. If you're wondering, why, why do we have a TV uh, on the screen up here? It's because there's hundreds of people that are worshiping with us online, and they can't see that big screen that you can. So when we zoom in on the camera, they can participate along uh, with us, and all of the people on Facebook rejoiced uh, at the time. So that is why we have that. Uh, and making, making some innovations during this odd season that we're in. A lot of different ways to jump into God's Word. If you're new to the Bible, that is okay. We love it that you are here and following along with us. We're going to have some up on the screen. Uh, the book of Luke is one of the four Gospels. If you're new to that, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is going to be in about the back fourth of your Bible. This verse should sound very familiar to you, and this is where we're going to start today. Right in the middle of the Christmas story, we read this. Verse 13. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God. In the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those whom his favor rests. Everybody say peace. Peace. Peace, peace to whom his favor rests. Chances are you've heard that. You've sung that in a variety of Christmas songs. You've prayed for it. You've read it in the Christmas story hundreds of times. And you just kind of skip right over it. This offer on earth, peace to those whom his favor rests. And if you're wondering, that's you. That's you. This morning, that's me in whom God's favor rests. And so peace is the offer. And then the year of our Lord 2020 happened. And maybe you're wondering, what happened to that peace? I would imagine that the last way that any of us might describe ourselves this year in 2020 is at peace. But as crazy as it seems, the chaos of our world does not change the offer, and better yet, the promise of Jesus. That night when the angels appeared to some lowly riffraff out in the country that nobody, that everybody else had written off and forgotten, that's who God chose to appear to. And when the angels were doing that, they were describing this cosmic shift in the universe that night that Jesus was born. And among it was the ability to not just experience a feeling of peace once in a while, but to know the one who is peace, the prince of peace, face to face. Amen? And yet I wonder, could anyone, this is, this is the audience participation part of the sermon, whether you're online or here in person, could anybody else use some more peace this year? Could anybody else use some peace? Be honest, you're in church, it's all good. I'm not the only one. Does anybody struggle with fear or anxiety or worry? Is that you this morning? Is anybody there, right? Christmas is supposed to be this season of peace, except when it's not, right? <laughs> Ask anybody, how, you're, how are you doing in the middle of December in the year 2020? How are you doing? And chances are, oh, I'm completely at peace. The shalom of God surrounds me everywhere I go, even when I run around Target. I just have this amazing peace about me, right? 
fact, a couple weeks ago, maybe if you're young parents or those of you in a different season of life that remember being young parents, if that's the case, remember these days. A few weeks ago, we were driving home in the car in our van as a family after a long day, and our, uh, we're, we're all a little tired, we're all a little cranky, we're hungry, we're cranky. We're hangry. You ever been hangry? You're, you're, you're hungry and you're angry. Everybody's hangry. Our son Caleb is upset about something. He's yelling at his sister. And in response, our daughter Evie decides to respond by singing as loud as she possibly can. Some sort of uh, rendition of Jingle Bells and Roar by Katy Perry and a VBS song. All kind of wrapped together at the top of her lungs and in rhythm with her song. She is kicking the back of my seat over and over. Meanwhile, our kids are asking the question that every parent gets asked every 10 seconds on a road trip. Are we there yet, right? And I turn around in, in my pastoral, Christian, loving man way, and I turn around and say, hey, people, I think this is exactly what I said, could we just get a moment of peace? Could we just get a moment of peace? And I think in a little bit deeper way, I think we've all asked that a time or two in our lives, haven't we? Could I just get a moment could I get a day, could I get a month, a year, a life with some peace in it? Why does life have to be so difficult or chaotic or painful or confusing? And I want to ask you a question. I really want you to sit with it and pause and get centered for a second. Are you at peace this morning? Those of you online, are you at peace this morning? And I, I, I want you to think a little bit deeper because I'll ask people that question in a roundabout way and they'll say, oh yeah, I'm getting by. I'm doing fine. Or, or I get the proverbial, oh yeah, nothing to complain about. That's not what I asked. I didn't ask if you were surviving. I didn't ask if you're just fine or okay. I asked you, are you at peace? Let's take it a step deeper. Think about your life right now and your circumstances. Your marriage. Your relationships your friendships, your small group, your family, your finances, your house, your job, if nothing changed this next year, could you have peace? How you answer that question defines how you're viewing peace this morning. How can we have peace when all so much in our world has gone wrong? This isn't anything new. This has been going on for centuries, for hundreds and thousands of years. You may not recognize this gentleman on the next slide, but this is Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. I mean, doesn't that dude look like a guy you want to invite to your Christmas party? I don't know. He's ready to have a Christmas party. But you may not know of him, but you've probably heard what he's written. He's the author of the song, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. Anybody ever heard of that one? You probably have. There's been a lot of artists that have done different renditions of that. I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. And it's, it's a cheery song at the end, but what you may not know is the story behind the song. Longfellow experienced painful, painful years of tragedy. His son went off, this is during the Civil War, his, his son went off to fight for the Union Army and was badly injured. During that time, his wife gets sick and tragically dies unexpectedly. And he writes a Christmas song full of peace. Right in the middle of it. But that's not where he was. we got to start with reality and where we are. And he wrote this. In the middle of his despair, his anger towards God, he says, And in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, good will towards men. So much for this Christmas peace that the angels sang about, writes Longfellow. In fact, I'm, I'm pretty sure he probably thought multiple times, it feels like the darkness is winning. 
You ever felt that way? It feels like the darkness is winning. And I'm sure there's many days when Wadsworth said, you know what, I'm done with this religion stuff. I'm done with this God stuff. I'm done with this church stuff, with this God. And maybe you've been there. Maybe you're hurting today. Maybe you're carrying some wounds, some some bitterness towards anger, towards God, or maybe even towards the church from your past hurt, your experiences, things that have happened to you, some frustration today, and you're struggling to find peace. Maybe it's in your finances. Dave Ramsey's not at your house because you don't have financial peace. You're struggling with that. Maybe a loved one is sick or has passed away. I am so tired of hearing about people in our church whose loved ones are dying, who are sick. I'm weary of doing funerals because that's not how life is supposed to be. Maybe you've had a really hard week. Maybe you're worried about the future, whatever it is. In full disclosure and honesty, I've had a really hard week. It's been a tough week, personally. (laughs) If you don't think that pastors are humans, think again. We're probably way more human than you think. And we have hearts that get battered and bruised and beat up sometimes. And I'm feeling that way, and I sit down to write my sermon a couple days ago, and let's see, what is my theme? Christmas peace. Oh, goody. This is going to be great, right? Oh, awesome. If you don't think God has a sense of humor, okay, become a pastor and have to preach on things that you're not good at, okay? So I want you to know I am preaching to myself today because I need this as much as anybody else, okay? We're all on the same page, okay? I am preaching to myself today. I have not got this figured out, okay? None of us do. We live in a world of uncertainty and fear and chaos, which perfectly describes the world of ancient Palestine in Luke chapter 2, that Jesus is born into. God's people, the Jews, are right there with us. They're waiting, they're longing. When is this going to be over? Not a pandemic, but this oppression from the evil Romans, and we can't escape it, and we can't get our lives back, and and our national pride back, and we're waiting and longing for God's peace to come. And for centuries, hundreds of prophecies in the, in, the, in the minor and the major prophets in your Old Testament, in your Bible, have been prophesying about this Messiah to come. One in particular, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Let's read it together, nice and loud, up on the screen. We can engage our hearts and minds together. Let's read it. For to us a child is born, for to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Right in the middle of the chaos then and right in the middle of the chaos of the year 2020, peace arrives. And it's a person. It's a person. And just in case you thought this was sort of like, oh, that's cute, Pastor John, some fluffy good feel, feel good peace around Christmas time. Oh, that's cute. Okay? This was a theme all throughout the Gospels and the story of Jesus' life. Flash forward to the end of the Gospels, towards the end of Jesus' earthly human life. And in John chapter 16, get this, Jesus is talking to some of his followers who are ready to face an unknown future, right? You do know what happened to all of the disciples, right? They were killed for their faith. They had no idea what was coming. Uh, There was a a difficult road ahead. They had no idea what was going to come in the future. They had no idea how they were going to get there. It was a group of people, just hear me out here, and maybe put yourself in this context. It was a group of people that had an unknown future, but that trusted Jesus and were following him, even though they didn't know what was coming yet, and they'd never done this before, and they didn't know how they were going to get there. Does that remind you maybe of two churches coming together in the middle of a pandemic, right? Does that remind you of anything? It's us, right? So Jesus looks at them and he looks at us 
in the eyes this morning in the middle of an uncertain future. We're all figuring this out together. And Jesus says this, and everything I've taught you is so that the peace which is in me will be in you and will give you great confidence. That's right. As you rest in me. For in this world you will, not you might, not you can avoid it, you will experience trouble and sorrows, but you must be courageous for I have conquered the world. If that's not a promise to take home with you today, I don't know what is, okay? And I was thinking about that this week. How interesting it is that we often forget the fact that here in John 16, Jesus said that we can have peace. Why? Because of him. And if he is with us, that means that peace is with us. And here's what happens when stress and fear and anxiety come. We end up looking for the peace of God everywhere else, but it was there the whole time. Okay? It was there the whole time. Some of you may be trying to get your head around that. Think about it uh, this way. A couple weeks ago, uh, I was looking for my phone. I I have a love-hate relationship with my phone, okay? These things are amazing. I got the Bible everywhere that I go. I got God's Word I can pull up at any time. I'm staying connected with all of you, reaching out to people, doing ministry. I love it, but it's a love-hate relationship because I can never find my phone. Is anybody else with me, okay? This is like full confession hour with Pastor John this morning, okay? I can't find my phone. Some of you are like elbowing your your family right now. That's you. That's you. Okay. So one day I'm late for a meeting. I'm running around the house. I've got everything and I'm turning over the sheets in our bed and looking in the cracks in the the, the couch and looking through the dishes on the the kitchen counter that's always clean at the pastor's house, by the way. Uh, Never dirty. And and I'm looking everywhere. I'm I'm asking my kids, you know where my phone is? I'm going to be late. I can't find my phone. And I'm wandering around the house. I'm freaking out. And then Tiffany comes in the room. She says, what are you doing? I said, I'm looking for my phone. I can't find my phone. You know how when you get stressed, you just take it out on everybody else? Like, I can't find my phone. It's probably your fault. It's probably the kid's fault. They probably threw it in the toilet. I can't find my phone. And in this nice, calming voice, as she often does, she said, honey, have you checked your pockets? <laughs> Check my pockets. is there the whole time. And I said, oh, you know, in my manly Christian pride, I was just making sure you knew where it was because I I knew where it was the whole time. It was there the entire time. But I was wandering around looking everywhere else for it. And Jesus says in John chapter 16, you've got peace so close to you. You've got peace in your pocket. Amen. And better than that, you've got it in your heart. It's there the whole time. It never left. If you feel like you've lost your peace, (laughs) He never left. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He never lets us down. And if you've got Jesus, you've got peace. Not just on Christmas, but all throughout the year. 365, 24-7, you've got peace in your pocket. Amen? It's there the whole time. He's been there the whole time. He's never left. If you've lost it, you can find it again because he'll never abandon you. He'll never leave you. You can have peace because you know the Prince of Peace. Peace is not a feeling. Peace is not a person. It's not a circumstance. It's your God. His name is Jesus. There's two important ways to view this, and and I want to kind of break it down for you here. There's two different ways to understand peace, okay? It's one thing to make your peace with God. Anybody ever heard somebody make that statement? Okay? It's loosely biblical, and we'll get to that in a second. It's one thing to make your peace with God. It's entirely another thing to find your peace in Jesus daily, okay? To walk it out, okay? It's one thing to make your peace with God. And and I don't particularly love that phrase, but a lot of people understand it that way. Maybe anybody remember the the movie Forrest Gump? Okay, no spoilers here. It's been out for 
80 years, okay? It's, it's out there, okay? Force, force, gump. You remember the scene where Lieutenant Dan, they're in the storm, and Lieutenant Dan is mad at God, and he's angry at God. He's going through the storm, and then that scene ends, and all is calm and peaceful. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this the best I can. Don't, don't judge me, okay? I'm not from Alabama, okay? And Forrest says, well, I guess Lieutenant Dan made his peace with God, okay? What do we mean by that? Whatever was between him and God had been removed. What I don't love about that scene is that peace with God doesn't come from our effort or our performance or how good we are. Peace with God comes from what Jesus has already done on the cross. Amen. So Romans chapter 5, okay? Romans chapter 5 puts it this way, okay? Romans 5.1. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have what? We have peace with God because of what we've done? No, because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. We don't make our peace with God. God made his peace with us through his death and resurrection and making a way for those of us who were sinful, all of us who are sinful and therefore far away from God, to come close and be in a relationship with God and have that peace. Amen? We don't have peace with God because of what we do. We can have peace with God this morning because of what Jesus has already done for us on the cross. Amen? Anybody ever have that tension in a relationship? Somebody you know, spouse or a child or a family member, somebody you know, and you just know there's something between you? Isn't that an exhausting way to live? <laughs> we were not created to live that way. We were created to live at peace with each other and God. But you can't have this kind of peace until you've made this kind of peace, okay? Look at the cross, okay? You can't have this kind of peace if you don't have this kind of peace, okay? So yes, we absolutely are called to have that peace with God. A lot of people call that salvation, but that does not come from us and our effort. It's putting our faith in what Jesus has already done through the cross. That is the reason that we have not one but two giant crosses in here, okay? Some of you are like, geez, they really like the cross in here, okay? It's not our, their, their, their final spot. We're still working on that final plan, but I will tell you this. Why we have it? I love it. You want to know why? Because it, because it is a giant reminder of every single time you walk in here. No matter what kind of week you've had, every time you tune in online and you see the stage and you see these two big crosses, every single time you come in here, no matter what kind of week you've had, no matter if you feel like you have earned it or you're worthy or you feel like worshiping or not, God is worthy of our worship and it's not because of anything that you've done or the kind of week that you've had. It's because of who he is. God's grace is bigger than your sin. His love is bigger than your mistakes. And some of you need to hear this this morning. God is not angry with you. He's not angry with you. He's not disappointed in you. God did not come to condemn the world, but to save the world. For God so loved you, and that's why we have two giant crosses on the stage, because we forget that. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Amen? Nothing. That goes for every single one of us. We pray that you feel that peace with God, not as a feeling, but that you know that you know. And, okay, and that's a really big and, okay, and that you would find peace in Jesus daily, okay? These two are related, but they're, con they're connected, okay? A lot of us just stop at the first one. I've made my peace with God. Okay, so you're going to wait for the big heavenly church service in the clouds someday? Like, what about now, okay? I don't know about you, but I want a peace for today. I want a peace for right now. Jesus did not die and rise again 
so that we could just have some sort of weird eternal peace in the clouds someday. Yes, we have eternal peace and security, but that peace is accessible to you. You've got peace in your pocket right now, and his name is Jesus, and you can experience that every single day. What, what does that mean? It means that I'm walking with Jesus every day. I don't, I don't need a God time because my whole day is God time. Okay? I might have a 10-minute devotion, but it's way bigger than that. I got the Prince of Peace walking with me every moment of my day. I want you to experience the kind of peace where it overflows around you, where you're experiencing that peace every single You got so much peace, you give it away. You ever around those certain people in your life, and you don't even know them that well, and you're just being around them? You're just like, oh, I was freaking out, but I just, there is a peace and a calm about your spirit. I have to imagine that's what it was like for Jesus and the disciples. The disciples are always freaking out. Peter, running his mouth, freaking, what about this? What about that? And Jesus just had this way of saying, peace. Be still. Sometimes he didn't even have to say anything. You know, be one of those people. Be one of those people that is so saturated with peace that people say, I don't know what it is about you, but I want to know more about that. And you say, oh, It's this man, this God, my Savior named Jesus, and he's the Prince of Peace, and you can experience that too. Just by by being saturated in his peace. I I want a peace I can experience in the middle of the storm. Amen? Where do you go on, this is all great, I'll preach it, Pastor John, and then Monday morning comes and you're freaking out. Okay? All of a sudden, oh, I'm going to pray about it. No, we panic and then we pray. That's what we do most of the time. We freak out and then we pray, right? Pray before you panic. Pray before you freak out. Pray before you make assumptions. Pray before you lash out in hatred or anger. Pray before you panic. What happens on Monday morning when anxiety strikes? What happens on Wednesday afternoon when fear creeps in? What happens when you get that phone call? What happens when you get that email that just sets you off? Where do you go? Jesus hits it right on. Matthew 11, verse 28. Pastor Hurst hit on this really, really well a couple weeks ago, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. Matthew 11, 28. Then Jesus said, what do you say? Come to me. All of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. Too bad that's nobody in the room today. This might be for somebody else. I don't know, right? All who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Come to me, Jesus says. There's a lot of times throughout the Gospels where Jesus says, follow me. And I'll point you to the answer. Jesus hits it straight on. If you're worried, if you're stressed out, if you you have anxiety, if you're not experiencing that peace today, he doesn't say, follow me. He says, come to me. And the silent inference there, Jesus is saying, I am enough for you today. I am enough. I am your peace. I am your joy. I am your sustaining presence. I am the love beating in your heart. I am your provision. I am your peace. Everything that you need, I am enough. I am your supplier. But the problem is we don't do that, right? I could say amen, praise God. We, you know, we always experience that. But we're human and we're broken. And if you're anything like me, you don't always live that way. We run around the house not looking for our phone. We run around our lives going to all different places and people looking for the peace that we already have. It was in my pocket the whole time. We look for peace everywhere else except the Prince of Peace, the one that's always with us. And so I did some soul searching this week. And maybe this is just me. Like I said, I'll just preach to myself and you can listen in, okay? But maybe there's just one of you that runs to some of these empty wells as well looking for peace. Number one, we run to the future. 
I'm always looking out. If if I can just get this situation figured out, if I can just control this person, if I can make this person do what I want, if I can just get in that season of life, then everything will be okay. Classic example of this, great example. Have you ever seen a, or maybe you've been one, a a new parent with an infant, and they're still kind of figuring it out how everything works and what do I do with this part and this human being that I'm responsible for now. And you can tell, like, I've been there, we've been there. They haven't slept or taken a shower in about two and a half weeks, okay? But they're rolling and they're trying to figure this out. And you ever heard somebody say, uh, we said this many times, I, I, I can't wait till my, my little baby grows up because then I'm going to get all my sleep back and there'll be nothing to worry about anything more, right? <laughs> Parents, is that true? No, right? Those of you with teenagers or grown children know that day is never going to come, so you better find your peace now because those kids are going to grow up and they're going to stay crazy all the way through, right? And you need the peace of God. You can't wait. You can't always have that dangling carrot out there saying, well, when I get to that part of my life, then I'll have some peace because it's never going to come. If you can't experience that peace now, you're never going to find it. Parents, that goes for you. Grandparents, that goes for you. Whatever season of life that you're in. It can't just be in the future. You got peace in your pocket right now. You can experience it daily. It's not just the future, though. This is a weird one. Where do we go looking for peace? Some of us go to relationships and other people. I know that sounds weird because you're like, Pastor John, wait a minute. Isn't the people that I love the most supposed to bring me the most? Yes, we hope that they do bring you peace, but I I will tell you this. Maybe some of you have discovered this, and this is old news to you, but in full disclosure for me, 95% of my conflict in relationships comes when I start looking to other people to deliver what only God can be in my life. Amen? I put my expectations for joy and pleasure and satisfaction and peace on everybody else, and I'm running around looking for it, okay? There's a lot of things that my wife can be in my life. There's two things she can't be. A dude. That's why I've got a men's group, okay? And the second thing, my wife, as amazing as she is, okay, and your loved ones, they cannot be the Prince of Peace. Okay? They can't fill that ache in your soul. Some of you are like, oh, I love my kids so much. And, and, and we hear that phrase, and it sounds so innocent. My kids are the, the center of my universe. Oh, gosh, I hope they're not. Because you're going to be let down every single day. Parents, any of you do this, you cannot wait for bedtime. And then the second the kids are in bed, you're looking at pictures of your kids on, the, on your phone. Because I miss them so much. Okay? Parents, can I get an amen that the days are long and the years are short? But some of you are looking for peace in people that can never fill that ache in your soul. They were never created to be. We can't run to relationships and find peace. Oh, this one, this one hits me strong. I, I've admitted this. I, I'm going to start a support group for people that try to control everything, okay? That's me, okay? Can we be honest? Can we be honest? This, is, this one's for me, okay? Some of us... When we are looking for peace, our default is to just go harder. Is to try to control everything I can and get things to be just the way that I want them. (gasps) And then I'll exhale and have peace, okay? On the other hand, some of us are into this performance mindset. Especially during the pandemic. I mean, I'm so desperate to be an incredible spouse and parent and employee and homeschool teacher of the year and counselor for my family and kids and, and be emotionally stay, make sure my kids are emotionally healthy. Your kids can't be emotionally healthy until you're emotionally healthy, and you can't be emotionally healthy until you get down on your knees and spend some time with the Prince of Peace, okay? They can't give it to you, and you can't control that. Some of you are saying, I can't feel good about my life. 
until the house is all picked up, until it's clean, until everybody is doing things the way that I want them and I can, the kids are behaving and the house is picked up and then I'll feel better about myself. But it'll never be enough. And here's why. You can't perform your way to peace. You can't perform your way to peace. If you're a striver and an achiever, any Enneagram 3s out there like me, you can't perform your way to peace. You can't control your way to peace. And maybe this is for somebody. You are not responsible for every single person's happiness around you. God is. The Prince of Peace is. He's the Prince of Peace. He's not a, here, I got a little bit of peace, but you can find some somewhere else. It's with him. He's the prince, the king of peace. He invented it. He is peace. So we can't go anywhere else. Here's an easy way to remember it, to, to take home with you that God's word points us to. Control what you can control. Go ahead and go to the next slide. Control what you can control, which is your spirit, your posture, and pray about the rest. Okay? Your situation. Okay? You can control what you can control. What do we mean by that? What you take in. What you listen to. Okay? What, the, the negative voices that are around you, the news that is just drenched in fear, what you fill your mind with, maybe stopping the scroll on your social media once in a while. What are you? You can control your spirit. You can't always control your situation, and that's why Paul writes this in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts, what you let in on what is true and honorable, and right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Don't miss this today. Experiencing peace starts and ends with intimacy with God daily. Your pastors can't give you peace. The church can't give you peace. Jesus gives you peace. And so we're called to get down on our knees every single day and admit, I don't have it all together. I don't have it all together. It's okay to admit that. Guys, can I speak to you for a second? Because we struggle with this in a little bit different way. One of the worst messages that have been sent to Christian men is man up. Just man up. And you can't have those feelings. You can't feel stressed out. You can't deal with depression. You can't deal with anxiety. The message to Christian men is not man up. It's man down to get on your knees and say, I need Jesus every single day. That's a posture of humility. I need Jesus. Jesus. Not once in a while, but daily. Peace is not a feeling. Peace is not a human being. Peace is not a circumstance. This is how you find peace. You focus on who you're going with, not where the road might take you. Because if I got the Prince of Peace, if I got peace in my pocket, if I got it in my heart, if I know the Prince of Peace, then God, I can pray bold prayers and I can say, you can send me into any situation. God, you can send me into any unknown road. And I don't know where it's all going to head. And I don't know how it's all going to work out. But I know the Prince of Peace, and so I can go down any road. Why is it so important to find peace? Our world is desperate for it. And like I said, maybe the greatest gift in 2020 that the church, that Christians can give to a freaked out, panic world is Christians who are saturated in peace. Saturated in peace. Our best evangelism, hear me say this, I love this place. We do not deserve this. <laughs> it's a building, folks. This is not the Prince of Peace. This is a building, okay? And it is amazing to have a great big building and to worship together and have Christmas decorations and lights and music and smoke. I don't know what that stuff is. I don't care, okay? 
It's cool. There's nothing wrong with it, okay? But we don't worship any of that, okay? Our greatest evangelism is what happens when we walk outside those doors. This is fine. This is great. It's not our best evangelism tool. Now, a quick word. I want some of you to hear this because I don't want you to run out of here thinking, oh, man, uh, one sermon, I, I fixed my chronic anxiety. Because this is a real thing for a lot of people. And for some of you, fear and anxiety, even depression, are a very real thing. And you're, you're battling it all the time. And what does that mean? It means you're a human being. It means that you are a human being. You are not a failure. You are not less of a Christian. Christians battle anxiety. And I know that because I've talked to several of you this past week that this time of year it's really hard. And you're looking at somebody that battles with fear and anxiety a lot. Can we get real this morning? Can we take off the mask? Some of you are really wrestling with this. And if it's a difficult topic for you like it is for me, then you got to know that part of God's healing might be professional help or therapy, or a counselor, or a physician, or medication, and certainly Christian community. And if that's the case, you're not alone. <laughs> and all of those ways are no less spiritual than other ways that God heals us. The answer to fear and anxiety isn't to toughen up, guys, to man up, <laughs> ladies, to put on a happy face. It's to be real and honest and surround ourselves with those that care, okay? That's why we exist as a church. That's the heartbeat of Hope Elam, that people would get the help that they need, that we would not point them to ourselves, but maybe we can get you with, connected with one of our small groups. Maybe we can get you connected with one of our support groups. Not so we can point you to us, because I don't have it, but I want to point you to the one that does, and that's our job up here every single week is to point you to the Prince of Peace, Okay? At the same time, Scripture is very clear that I don't believe God has called us to live with chronic fear and anxiety our whole lives. There is rescue, there is healing, and God can use a variety of ways to bring that. But there is hope for you today. I want you to know that. Don't be afraid to ask for help. It is okay to not be okay, especially this time of year. And you can still know the Prince of Peace, even in the storm, even when it's raining. And here it makes me think of last spring. It seems like ages ago, but I was picking our son Caleb up from school. He was six at the time, and I usually park across the street. And it was one of those days, it was like 50 or 60 degrees in, in, uh, in late February. And I was like, oh man, it feels like summer. So shorts and a t-shirt, I think flip-flops maybe. Caleb's got shorts and t-shirt on. I'm running late, which seems to be a chronic issue in my life, so I'll start a support group for that uh, later. But I'm, I'm running late again because I got to get somewhere. I got to pick up my son. And so I'm running up. The school bell rings. He comes out. I say, Caleb, we got to go. But daddy, I want to show you all the... No, no, no. I don't have time for that. I, we we got to go. I got more important things to do uh, than, than you. And so I, gotta, I grab in his hand and we got to go. And as we start going out from the school, it just starts a torrential downpour. And of course, I just get ticked, and I'm angry at God, and oh, now I'm going to be more late, and i got to pick up my son, I'm going to be more late. I'm dragging him along in the rain, and it's just pouring, and we're splashing in the puddles. We get across the street, and I'm like 10 feet ahead, and I look back. <laughs> and my six-year-old <laughs> has found the biggest crack in the concrete as I'm rushing, because I'm stressed out. He's found the biggest hole in the concrete, which is filled up as a small lake. And in his brand new school shoes, in the middle of 50 degrees and downpour rain, he is going like this, just in the rain. And he is dancing and splashing and jumping in the rain. And from 
the mouths of babes. As I am mad at God, I am mad at life, I am stressed out, I am busy, I am late. My six-year-old, these words come from his mouth. Hey, Dad, when's the last time you danced in the rain? And I was so glad it was raining because I was bawling like a baby, okay? And I said, God, forgive me. Because I want to be more like my son. I want to be able to to smile when it's raining. I want to be able to worship even if if my life isn't perfect and everything isn't all put together and I don't like this and I don't like, I want to be able to worship God because you are worthy. I want to be able to love people even when they don't love me back. I want to be able to, to serve because God did not create me to just worry about getting my own needs met because he created me to be a servant and to love. I want to be able to invite people to worship not because this is a perfect church but because we want to point people to the Prince of Peace. I want to be able to dance in the rain, don't you? And the only way that can happen is when you know peace. You go back to that original passage in Luke chapter 2. You look a bit a little bit closer at the original Greek. This isn't fluffy peace. This is irene. And scholars have dissected this for years. There's a few different words for peace in the, in the New Testament and the Greek. But scholars come together and they say that night when the angels showed up, it could be said that this irene, this peace, is the state of a soul with salvation assured, fearing nothing from God and content with its earthly lot whatever that may be, the Messiah's peace. Irene. That's the invitation today. Jesus says, I'm I'm not talking about feelings that come and go. I'm talking about an untouchable spirit. I'm talking about an anchor for your soul that the world can't touch. When's the last time you danced in the rain? When's the last time you looked up, Mom? When's the time you last looked up, Dad, Grandpa, Grandma? Brother, sister, when's the time, last time you looked up and said, my soul at peace? And what's standing in the way of that today? Nothing, because Jesus has made a way. It's thinking about that untouchable spirit of peace, and I couldn't help but remember a scene from one of the classic Christmas films of all time, Shawshank Redemption. <clears throat> Some of you are going to look that up on the way home and be like, what has happened to my pastor? I'm not recommending that for family movie night, by the way, but it has some really good scenes. And the story goes, you know that Andy Dufresne is wrongfully convicted to a life in prison. In the eyes of the world, he's stuck. And he's there until one day he rediscovers the beauty of music. And he finds a record of two Italian opera singers and blasts it into the courtyard and all throughout this maximum security prison. (laughs) And for that, he gets two weeks in the hole of solitary confinement, and he returns to his fellow inmates, and he speaks to them of a peace that the world can't touch. Let's take a look. Okay. I guess we had a technical malfunction. So, if you thought we were a perfect church, we're not. So he comes in. I'll describe it for you. I'll, I'll act it out. I'll do my best Morgan Freeman here. He, he comes out, and they said, well, you brought the record player with you? And he says, no, it's, it's in here. But what is it? You know, Morgan Freeman's character asks, what, what is it? I, I, I don't understand. What is it? And he said, did you give up on music? Did you give up on hope? Did you, did you give up on peace? There's one thing 
that this world, that this maximum security prison can't take from you. And it's hope. And it's peace. <laughs> the world can't take that from you. Why? Because it's in here. It's the arena. It's the Messiah's peace. It's the music that God put inside you. It's the dancing in the rain kind of peace. It's the peace in your pocket and better yet, in your heart. And here in 2020 is when we need it the most so that we don't forget that the peace that you are so desperate to find has already been won for you for the victory of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And it is available for you to live in it and experience it right now, here, today, and forever. Amen? And so I just want you to pause for a second because it's okay to slow down once in a while. Where else are you going to go, okay? <laughs> Prince of Peace is here today. I'd go for a couple more hours, but I'm not going to. Pause for a second and ask yourself the question we started with today. Am I at peace? Not do I feel at peace. Not is everything perfect in my life. Not is everybody doing things the way I want them to do. Is my soul at rest? Can, can, I, can I say that because of who Jesus is today, that I'm going to be okay? Not because anything has changed in my life or my circumstances, but I'm going to choose to step into the biggest giant puddle that I can find and boogie on down and dance in the rain because I know the Prince of Peace. Sit in that for a second. And maybe sometime later today or this week, my challenge to you is this, <laughs> to be still with God and say, I don't want to go through one more Christmas and not know the wonderful Counselor, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. I don't want to sing the songs and pray the prayers and see the lights and, and look at all the lights around town if I miss the point of the whole thing. And that is knowing the baby who became a man who is our savior, our prince of peace, our peace, our living hope. Amen? Let's not just talk about it. Let's worship. Let's stand. Let's sing together. We may get the words up there, but let's worship along. Let's sing together of our living hope.